Hi, welcome to Startup Out of the Box, a regular podcast with Marco Silva and Vitor Domingos. On this episode, we're going to talk about sales and founders. Um, we're going to also talk about fundamental skills every leader uh, should practice or should have mm-hmm. at a startup. And also, uh, if it's good or not to have a transparent sal- salary policy within mm-hmm. uh, the company. So for the first subject, which is about um, sales and founders, um, probably we should talk about if uh, a founder should have any kind of sales skills. I'm not sure if you if you agree with that. Or if you... I would say yes. Uh, the founder, um, I think he's the first salesman for the company. He's the one that needs to sell the, vig- uh, sell the, the vision, sell the product, sell the mission, uh, talk to clients to understand if the product is what should be done. So the founder should be the first salesperson uh, for the company. So he has to learn and have those skills. Uh, because that's also how he's going to hire more people because mm. then you have to sell the company to these employees mm. or to investors mm. or board. So I think he needs to have those skills, at least in the beginning. Yeah. Does it mean that he, has, he, he needs to have those skills two years or three years in the company? Uh, he is going to have different responsibilities. But starting the first year, uh, I say it's essential for him to have these skills. Yeah. Um, I also agree, agree with you. So um, a founder should have any kind of sales skills in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, either to pitch to investors uh, and actually to hire people uh, mm-hmm. to the to the startup, but also should think about how should the company sell the product or say whatever you're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna build um, afterwards, right? Yeah. So uh, doing that kind of transition between. I know how, how I want to present this to the market, but I want someone that I can actually sell this to other people. Mm-hmm. So hiring the first sales representative or salesperson that you need to put into, um, it could be, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, someone with, with marketing skills because you're probably not going to have that when you're developing also mm-hmm. your product. But you should have that also in mind that um, uh, in the long term, you might have you might need someone that could do this kind of sales um, for you and for your um, startup. And this is uh, kind of um, um, advice from... Um, A16Z. Exactly. One of the main VCs out of Silicon Valley, Anderson uh, Horowitz and Ben... No. Ben, Anderson, ben, ben Horowitz and... and uh, yeah, Mark, uh, Mark Anderson. Mark Anderson. So, exactly. So, um, so is kind of uh, advice... Uh, I would resume mm-hmm. in a couple of uh, of sentences. The first one, he says that you should uh, redefine um, and think about the world sales, what that means mm-hmm. to you and to your company. Is just as in snake oil kind of sales or actually do you, uh, are, are you selling a dream or are you selling actually a product and how yep. are you going to sell that? So define that kind mm-hmm. of world sales. Um, he also tells something that I find is quite funny and amusing, which is the first sales representative or the first salesperson mm-hmm. Is not gonna. It's not gonna work. It's 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 gonna fail because yeah. um, it's gonna be like an experiment, right? You need to learn how you're gonna sell that, and you need mm-hmm. to have this kind of experiment with the first. And time. how you present the product and what the product actually is, uh, and how people use it. That's all part of the sales process. Exactly. The other one I find it quite um, interesting, which is um, it says that probably your engineers, engineers, mm-hmm. engineers should also sell something, right? Mm-hmm. Your own technical team should sell the product or whatever you're you're building. Mm-hmm. So it's quite of a good um, 
uh, I would say backup. Uh, if you go to the technical team and say, well, actually, you need to sell this as an evangelist, right? Yeah. If you go to events, you need to sell your company, you need to sell stuff. And even they might have a different perspective of yeah. how to sell or where to sell and how to announce the product in a different way. In an early startup, everyone, uh, it's all hands on deck in an early stage startup. Everyone is essential in every part of the company. So Yeah. And the other two is, well, the first one is uh, about sales enable enablement. How are you going to enable that? Mm -hmm. What kind of uh, marketing language are you going to use? What kind of tools are you going to use? Where are you going to to sell uh, this? And that, goes, that, and that takes a lot of iterations until you figure out how to oh, yes. sell your product. Oh, yes. Uh, and then uh, brings me to the last one, which is uh, think about when you should bring your own vice president or director or something uh, of sales. Yeah, person so, responsible for sales, so you don't have to do it. Exactly. So I, I, I would assume that you pretty much agree with all of this. Yeah, it's um, something that we see we've been through building the startup throughout the last couple of years. It's painful and it takes a lot of learning and figuring out how to what to do and how to do it and how to sell yourself. It's a process. Well, from my experience, I think that um, hiring someone to do sales mm -hmm. is like um, uh, splitting yourself. So if you are a founder, you mm -hmm. need to delegate that into someone else that mm -hmm. you expect to be better than you to do sales. Yeah. Um, and as a founder, that's kind of a skill that you need to get out of you because you think that you are the best salesman ever because you already sell that to the team, you already sell that to the investors. So... Uh, you think you're yeah. you're you're better than them, which is kind of hard for me to actually let it go. And the second one is, um, I think that um, if you if you have evangelists, technical people in your team to actually sell that, that's a easier way at this moment to sell something mm -hmm. and not actually have a sales representative or a VP of sales. That's kind of my my take yeah, on and that. And ensure that your team is a user of the product. Exactly. That, that makes it easier to sell. Exactly. Um, so to, top, yeah. Topic number two. Topic number two, which is uh, what kind of fundamental skills every leader should practice or should have. Um, any tips from uh, your side? Uh, so we have a pretty much, I don't know, six points of uh, to talk about. Anything that you want to... Communication. I think that's the, the first one. Skills for a founder to have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Communication skills are essential. Uh, mostly in the tech industry, uh, social skills are considered like second grade and not important. But in reality, when you're building a startup, social skills are the most important thing you can have. Technical skills are like maybe number three or number four yeah. in that list. So practicing communication, practicing uh, our, like, for example, again, sales, how do you communicate your product? How do you communicate your team uh, what we should do? How do you talk to your team, understand their problems? Uh, the communication, I think, is one of the most essential skills a founder needs to practice uh, from the beginning. Yeah. Well, I think that, that fits mm. into the, the second one, which is yeah. how do you want to translate whatever you have into something that it's clear to, mm -hmm. a, to everyone else, right? So how yeah. do you communicate that vision, that message that you want to uh, put forward? Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, starting with the first one, um, so this is uh, an article an article from uh, Harvard Business Review. Uh, we've mentioned that mm -hmm. uh, throughout our episodes. You're a fan. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this, and they and they put it quite uh, plain to, for everyone to understand. So the, the first topic is uh, um, kind of create mm -hmm. a vision that is um, both exciting and challenging for um, everyone mm -hmm. in the team. 
So making sure that uh, you have those challenges and that vision um, accomplished so that everyone can understand. Mm-hmm. The second one is actually, as you mentioned. That translating the communi- vision into a strategy. Exactly. Communicate uh, communicate that to the rest of the team and making them mm-hmm. understand how things uh, will work. And then uh, I think... Recruitment, number three. Yes, that's kind of the most... I think that's the most important skill that uh, a founder should have. Recruit the best person, the best people to the, to the team. Yeah. And... Um, and, and have- uh, you're going to fail uh, oh, along yes. the way many times until you and uh, the best tip I can give is trust your gut feeling. Usually mm. the gut feeling, okay, the person might be awesome in paper. You talk to them, but you always have like something in your gut tells you something's wrong. Yeah. Usually trust your gut feeling. When you hire someone, do you look at their kind of technical skills or do you look at first their personal or communication skills? It's a mix. So when we get the CV, that's like a, a triage, just see if it makes sense, at least what's there. Uh, then the, the interview process is really talking about the CV, but also talking with the person, see if they can explain themselves, talk, if it's a normal conversation, if you feel like there's something weird, uh, they're retracting or it's difficult to talk to them. So it's a mix between a social interview and a technical interview because we want to see if they can explain themselves, if they can talk about hmm. what they did. Uh, if we feel like if after 15 minutes I'm like looking at my clock and thinking I have other stuff to do, yeah, that's, that's already not, a bad sign. Yeah. Even if the skills are awesome, it's like if I'm 15 yeah. minutes in and I don't want to talk to that person anymore, then that's a sign that this is not a, a good fit for us. Yeah. So it's a, it's a mix. And uh, at my at, uh, at my own startup a few years ago, um, I think that uh, we, we, we went through this kind of recruitment mm-hmm. process. And I uh, what I took out of it was actually you can have all of those technical skills. So we had a bunch of interviews. Some of the people there uh, that we interviewed were quite good technically, yeah. but some of them could actually uh, couldn't interact with each other. Uh, as in, we we wouldn't feel comfortable working with them on an open office throughout every yeah. single day. That will be a hard one. But I think that the most interesting uh, interview that we that we got and we, we made was to a designer. And we got this kind of whiteboard and we told the designer, well, listen, you need to develop something. And we gave just a, a few pointers. And he starts developing something really awesome and out of the blue. Mm-hmm. So he really thought about the whole process from a usability point of view. And we never thought that that's, that was the kind of the design that we wanted to achieve. So we were just looking at designers that could actually draw like kind of cartoons and web pages and stuff like that but actually what we wanted was someone that could look at the user interface and how users would interact with stuff yeah. and with devices so um i think this it needs to change also throughout the process so you need to learn how many from the people that you're interviewing and probably adapt throughout the entire process yeah. to make sure that you, you get the right person for for the company um, the, the next uh, three topics is about focus on uh, measurable um, re- kind of results. So um, put metrics uh, on the table, make people on your team understand what kind of metrics they need to achieve. Mm-hmm. Is it by the amount of the re- releases that you need to put on the street or customers yes, that you need to hit? Engagement, sign-ups, sign-ups, or even yeah. revenue, all right? That's mm-hmm. really important. Yep. So, so, sorry, I tend to forget about that. I forgot about revenue. And um, the, last two, the last two is about foster innovation. So mm-hmm. um, let them, let the people actually bring new ideas into the table and, and, and work on them and, and foster that. Um, yeah, allow make. time for people to try out stuff, uh, accept their opinion, and then try to cut when they want to. Oh, I have this idea. 
give them time to, to give it a try. Yeah. That's important. And and also delegate, right? Yeah. So if you find someone that can have a better idea than you, don't mm-hmm. don't put it away. Just make them a leader and and then and start from there. And the last one, kind of important, like if you don't uh, it's, uh, improve yourself, uh, if you don't lead by example, uh, your team. When whenever you tell your team like you should study or you should read or you should relax, if you as a leader don't do that. Uh, the team won't do it. So the team will follow uh, you. So it's important that you also show the team it's okay to do different stuff. It's okay to take risks. It's okay to take, okay, I'm going to take an afternoon uh, to catch up on yeah. some knowledge. So it's important to do that and show the team yeah, it's, a, it's a safe place to do it. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of the six topics of uh, of this kind of fundamental yeah. skills every leader should practice, should yeah. have. For the last uh, topic of today's episode, it's about how transparent should salaries be. be. Um, as in, mm-hmm. should uh, you within your company? Well, first of all, do you agree that companies should publish their uh, employees' salaries? I would say. Indi- that- <laughs> Wait a minute, individually or per area? Let's say, mm-hmm. uh, give it a range. For software development, we pay from X to Y, mm-hmm. and um, or for this specific developer, he's gonna earn or she's gonna earn this amount per month. What do you agree? Or do you don't agree with both? I would say it's a tricky question. <laughs> I'd say it depends on a lot of mentalities uh, and countries where you come from, stuff like that. Um, I think we are more used to the the range salaries being more public. You can go online, you can see different companies and they ask that the salary goes from this range to that range, depending on the skill. Uh, but some companies like, for example, uh, Buffer, uh, their uh, salaries are completely open policy. Open, open policy. Everyone knows exactly how much salary someone else made, makes. Uh, you have companies like uh, Basecamp, for, uh, all for seven signals, where uh, their salaries are not public, but it's easy to know them because they say like someone that works in this position earns this amount of money. Yeah. So and there's not like oh you no, if, if that's your job title that's how much money you're gonna make. We don't negotiate. We don't talk about ranges. No, no, that's it. So it's kind of easy, almost easy to get those values. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's something that I haven't thought about it. Thought about it really. I haven't been involved in a company or in a in a process about pushing the salaries to open culture. Um, well, I, I have yeah. to. I have two takes on that. First, first of all, is uh, you're going to have a glass door, which means that someone within your company is going to publish the range of software development salary or marketing or someone else. So it's just a matter of time until someone gets fired or is hired by the company and he's going to publish that on Glassdoor. So bottom line, you're going to know about the the kind of the salary. Um, Sort of, right? You don't have the bonus, you don't have the kind of the the benefits there, but you're going to know how much you're going to pay for that specific range. So I I would feel comfortable if a company actually published, well, Internally, this is the kind of range that we give to people working mm-hmm. in this kind of position. I don't agree with publishing the salaries individually, but looking at uh, at uh, at recent information, I find it interesting to know that if people will know how many, how much your colleague or the, mm-hmm. the person working in front of you is going to earn, gives them gives them more responsibility for the work that they need to deliver. Because they need to make sure that I'm going to deliver enough work and enough uh, in, uh, um, value value for the salary that I'm going to earn. Because but, everyone knows yeah. what I'm going to earn and how much slack or not I, yeah. I, I, I do at a company. 
But I think that also like comes to my first point. That also depends a bit on the mentality yeah. uh, of the country. I would say the Nordic countries probably f- more open to that. They are yeah. open. I think they are accepting. Okay, you earn more money than me. Like fine. Uh, but in a Latin country, uh, oh, yeah. like Portugal, That's... Spain, Italy, or Latin America, uh, the That's culture be... is quite different. It's going to be more of you earn money, more money than me. You bastard. It's, yeah. uh, it's going to be insulting and it's going to be filthy motivated. Well, it's a different perspective from the Nordic countries. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's, it depends on a lot of stuff. Uh, but no, I don't have a, a very big opinion on this. Well, bear in mind that... It's if, interesting. Yeah, bear in mind that um, in some companies... Uh, probably you discuss how much you went to your mm-hmm. co- colleagues, right? Mm-hmm. It depends of, right? Here in the here in the UK, that's kind of more common practice. You know how much uh, the other one actually is gonna mm-hmm. um, is um, is earning. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout my experience, either on an, a large enterprise or a startup, at my own startup, we never published the salary. Mm-hmm. P- period. It was kind of. Um, privileged information that we never share with them. Working at a large corporation, we know the range. Yeah. Uh, for that specific kind of role, we know how much uh, the person is going to earn. And that's perfectly fine to yeah. know. So, um, bottom line, if you put a, a range, and probably you're going to get that range into Glassdoor uh, sooner or later, I don't feel the need to actually, uh, for a startup to publish individually the, the salaries. But mm-hmm. Uh, that's the kind of the choice. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to know what kind of the experience experiments uh, they're going to take place in the next in the near future for for this kind of stuff. And I think if that's more companies be, yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because so far, only no buffer because that's something that they have been pushing it since the beginning. So it's like the the poster child for the open salary culture. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the 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 data that we have so far it, it comes from. Uh, 2006 employees of a commercial bank in Asia. So, Asia. Um, mm-hmm. nah, let's see. Let's yeah. see if it gets to, to Europe and to more, more of startups. Okay. Um, and that's pretty much it for today's episode, episode number 15 of Startup dun, Out dun, of the dun, Box. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. See you next week. Cheers. Cheers.